Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details. You are Locked On Magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are indeed Locked On Magic. Today is August 14th, 2017. My name is Philip Rossman-Reich. I'm the expert and site editor over at OrlandoMagicDaily.com. We are officially hitting a bit of the doldrums of the offseason. We've got the schedule coming out. Might be sometime this week. I'll have some more comment. I'll have some comments on the changes to the Magic's jersey or the lack thereof on tomorrow's episode. But today we're going to start our, our big history week here on, Orlando, on Locked On Magic, as well as OrlandoMagicDaily.com. Uh, on OrlandoMagicDaily.com, all week, uh, the Orlando Magic Daily staff, including myself, have ranked the all the teams, not just the top 25, all the teams in Orlando Magic history. So I'll go through some of those rankings, but I'll leave most of those rankings for you to check out over on OrlandoMagicDaily.com. So a little bit of history Going to talk about some magic history uh, and 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 what we can learn from it, or or just generally just about the team and, and its past uh, throughout the week. But the place I do want to start is with this week or today is a little bit of news or a little bit of something we're going to keep an eye on here uh, for the next few weeks uh, leading up to it at least, and that is Eurobasket. For those that do not know, um, which. Who knows? Who knows? I mean, most, most. If you're probably listening to this podcast, you know about Eurobasket. But just, just in case you don't, uh, FIBA does. FIBA all has its uh, continental tournaments, and the European continental tournament is Eurobasket. Is probably one of the biggest tournaments in the world. Um, if if you don't watch a lot of FIBA basketball, Eurobasket has this just gigantic NCAA tournament like feel to it. It is. One of the great sporting basketball sporting events in the world, and it, it happens every two years. And so this year is the time for Eurobasket. It's a big year for for Eurobasket to take place, and so it's very very exciting that we're going to get to watch uh, watch the basketball here beginning August thirty first. The Magic do have two players involved in Eurobasket this year, as as I noted, I think a few weeks ago, Mario Zonia is officially out at Eurobasket. He's not playing for Croatia this year. That I believe. Was his decision more than a decision from Croatia? I think that he wanted to take this summer to focus on his play and his his development. But on the opposite end of that, of that spectrum, you have the two guys that will play in Eurobasket this year, and that's Evan Fournier playing for France and Nikola Vucevic playing for Montenegro. Just a couple of quick words on on those two to get us going today. Uh, Nikola Vucevic and Mont- Montenegro is not a basketball power in, in any sense of the word. Uh, they are not one of the big teams uh, in Europe, and it was a struggle for them to even qualify for Eurobasket. They haven't quali- they haven't qualified for Eurobasket since I think 2013. Vucevic has had kind of an up and down ride with his national team. They fired their coach last year. He played for them last last summer to get them qualified for Eurobasket, and he is there, and he is the lead- He's probably going to be one of the better players for Montenegro. I would not expect Montenegro to advance far in Eurobasket, but we'll keep an eye on them as well. 
uh, keep an eye on them uh, as as they go through the tournament. They begin play on September 1st in Romania. They'll play Spain in the opener. But like the reason why we're talking about this now is Eurobasket prep throughout Europe has begun. All, all the teams are together. They're training together. They're getting ready for this tournament. It is a big deal. And international friendlies are already well underway. Montenegro lost to Greece, who's actually a heavy, not a heavy favorite, but a favorite to medal in Eurobasket, 83-81. to On Friday, Nikola Vucevic scored 18 points and grabbed nine rebounds in the game. So, see, I mean, you, you watch some of the highlights from those games. Vucevic looked like Nikola Vucevic. You know, may, you know maybe a little bit more spry than, spryer than usual. Uh, but he looked like Nikola Vucevic. So, I mean, both Nikola Vucevic and Evan Fournier have been in the league long enough that you kind of know what you're getting with them. And so I don't anticipate that we'll see too many surprises as far as what they look like or, or how they're playing. They're going to play like they always do because they're, they're veterans. We, we know what to expect from them. So, with that said, I do think that there is a special emphasis and look that we want to give to Evan Fournier. Now, Fournier on France has played a little bit of a bit role in the past. He, he hasn't always been the guy. But France this year is very different, I think. Uh, I think France this year, uh, it, they're going through a little bit of a transition. Tony Parker and Mikhail Jelabale have retired from international play, so they are, they're out. Uh, Rudy Gobert and Nicolas Batum are not playing in Eurobasket this year, and that leaves, to me, Evan Fournier as the best NBA player on the France roster. France is in the middle of the pack. Uh, I think people expect them to get deep into the knockout round. And so these are going to be meaningful games that Evan Fournier is going to be playing for France, and meaningful games where he's going to be expected to perform. So far, he's played very, very well in the two friendlies. Uh, he scored 24 points in 25 minutes against Croatia, and then followed that up by scoring 17 points in 25 minutes on Thursday in a win over Lithuania. He also had six assists and four steals in that game. And I watched a Lithuania game, and Fournier is confident shooting three-pointers. We knew that. He's good at attacking rotations. He's playing a little bit of pick-and-roll. Defensively, he still kind of does all the things that, that we know of him defensively. So it's definitely a mixed bag with Fournier. Uh, or not a mixed bag. It's it's what we expect with Fournier. It's 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 who he is as a basketball player, and so I, I think we know what Evan Fournier can do, at or what he's good at, and what he can he can do. What's going to be really interesting, though, I think from Eurobasket, and why I'm so interested to see Evan Fournier, is that he is unquestionably the guy. Nando Nicolo is going to handle the ball a lot, and he is a former NBA player, but. Nando Nando DiColo is going to be the playmaker and initiate the offense, but France is going to need Evan Fournier to score. They're going to need him to be their leading scorer and attack when the time is right. Because they don't have Nicholas Batum to rely on. They don't have Tony Parker to rely on. That doesn't mean Fournier needs to be a ball hog and, and shoot the ball a lot. I mean, the good news is from these two games so far, the two games that he's played in, is he's shot incredibly efficiently. He's been very smart with the shooting. And I think that comes from being in a more balanced offensive attack that can spread the floor. You got DiColo, who's a capable shooter. You got Antoine Dio, who's a very capable capable player in the international game. Uh, Joffrey Laverne can step out and shoot. Boris Diaw kind of plays point forward a little bit um, in the post. Very easy to play off of him. 
there it is a it is a little bit more of a balanced offensive lineup than than maybe what the Magic have, which I think suits Fournier better. But I think once Eurobasket begins and France begins their Eurobasket play in Finland on August thirty first, is I, I think we'll see uh we'll see Fournier be a key player for this team. And I think that that's going to be very important for the Magic. Obviously, Orlando last year relied on Fournier to be their number one offensive option off the perimeter. Averaged about 17 points per game, but his efficiency went way down. For the Magic specifically, they want to see his scoring up, and he's scoring right now. So I think I think you're seeing what you want to see from Fournier. But I think you also want to see that efficiency keep up. Can he be an efficient scorer and playmaker? And through two friendlies, and they are just friendlies, and European teams tend to hide stuff in friendlies. They don't always go 100% in these warm-up games. Through these two games, I think we're seeing what Fournier can be, or, or, or that Fournier has improved his game in, a little, in, in little ways. He still has some of his issues. I mean, uh, again, these players kind of are what they are at this point. He's in his prime. But I think it's good to see that Fournier is continuing to, to kind of keep himself going the direction he's going. And I think that's a very, very good sign for the Magic, and I think something that we'll watch throughout Eurobasket. Um, I'll be following this tournament closely. I'll, hopefully I'll get some type of preview up um, because I, I, you know, A, I need basketball to watch, and August 31st can't get here soon enough so that we can watch some basket, watch some high-level basketball. Uh, but on top of all that, too, uh, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what... Uh, what this, how this all, how Fournier looks, and, and how he plays, and also how Vucevic plays, because I think uh, Vucevic, obviously, his team's probably not going to be the best, but definitely want to see Vucevic put up some good numbers and, and look look improved. I'd love to see if Vucevic has developed a three point shot. Um, don't know if that's what his team will ask him to do, but would be nice uh, if if he could show some of that too. Um, any chance to get to watch your guys play in, in meaningful games, pressure games, you learn a little bit about them, and so I think we'll be keeping a close eye on Eurobasket as it gets closer and closer. If you're a draft Nick, Luka Doncic is playing for Slovenia. So plenty to watch throughout the month of August, throughout the month of September, as Eurobasket gets started uh, at the end of August. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details. Like I said, this week is kind of a his- doing our history week. We're going to do a little bit of a dive into magic history. If you remember last year, around this time of year, we did our top 25 players in magic history. I did a podcast talking about each of them. Um, to- this year, we decided at Orlando Magic Daily to, or I decided because I guess I'm, I'm the editor, but uh, I decided that we were going to, that I was going to solicit the staff and we were going to rank the top 25, or not the top 25, we were going to rank every team in Orlando Magic history. These are not my personal rankings. I, I submitted my vote, did not give them any more weight than anyone else. Uh, they are our group ranking. There's a lot of debate that goes on with these. I've tried to get everyone to kind of explain why they thought that they should go here or there. Um, but 
Uh, I encourage everyone to engage in the conversation. Uh, you know, these are not set in stone. We, you know, want you to obviously read what we think, but we want to know what you think too. So be sure to drop us a line at omagicdaily, as well as comment, uh, comment as well about uh, what you think about the top teams in Magic history. I'm going to leave the actual rankings that we do to the website, so be sure to go check out orlandomagicdaily.com. But I'm going to talk about kind of some general themes, uh, at least for these these later teams, uh, that, that I notice as, as I'm reviewing how our rankings shaped up and, and, and what our writers have to say about these teams. And I think the best place to start is with a, a look at how the Magic decide to rebuild. Because essentially when you're looking at the worst teams in franchise history, which we do today on RolandMagicDaily.com, when you look at the worst teams in franchise history, you're really looking at either the biggest disappointments in the franchise's history or how the team decides to rebuild and grow again, how how it rises from the ashes and what comes of it. And, of course, the Magic right now are in the worst stretch in Magic history. The five years uh, that the Magic are in right now, since Dwight Howard left, uh, are the worst stretch in Magic history. The 2013 season, the first season without Dwight Howard, was the second worst record the Magic have ever had. 20 wins. The only team that was worse was the expansion team with 18 wins. Both teams are among our bottom five. In fact, the our, our voters voted the 20, uh, 2013 team the worst team in Magic history, which I did not agree with that. Uh, I have them at, I have them a little bit higher, but certainly bottom five team. So these bad teams, and, and our bottom five kind of speak for themselves, are teams that are trying to find growth. They're either building out of the ashes of a dead tree, essentially, of, of, a, of a team that, that's no more. Or they're just wait trying to find a way forward. Like, my vote for the worst team in Magic history, the 1991 team, the year before they got Shaq. That team was 21-61 and 61 after winning 30-plus games the year before. And, like, the Magic team of a few years ago when they won 35-25 games, or even this year's team, the last year's team, when you go from 35 down to 29 wins, it was a team that seemed like it was lacking or losing its forward momentum. That it was a team that was making progress or was was seeing its progress halted. And so when we look at these bottom five teams, when we look at these bad teams, we're really talking about rebuilds that are beginning to go awry. The Magic have not done a rebuild like they attempted the last five years ever in their franchise history. When you look at how the Magic responded to losing their stars, and they've lost their stars, they've responded to it in different ways. When they lost Shaquille O'Neal in 1996, they still had Anthony Hardaway, who was a first-team All-NBA player. They still had every reason to believe that they could win. And in fact, even after losing Shaq with Penny at the lead, the Magic made the playoffs in 1997, albeit as a seventh seed. And if it weren't for Penny's injuries, they'd probably still have been a decent team. They missed the playoffs in 98, made the playoffs again in 99, and then traded Penny Hardaway. So, 
What did they do when they traded Penny Hardaway? That's when the Magic really thought about rebuilding. Really thought about tearing it all down and starting anew. They traded for for cast-offs, guys on one-year contracts, expiring contracts, young players. Players that pretty much, it was essentially the plot to Major League. And just like in Major League, the Magic proved everyone wrong. They went 41-41. and So they lost the advantage of the draft pick, but they still had the cap room, and of course they got Tracy McGrady and Grant Hill the following summer. So the Magic didn't really rebuild after losing Penny. It's very, very quick, in fact. And as everyone would note, the Magic currently are in the longest stretch of their franchise history without an All-Star right now, too, and that's a big reason why. So when they lost Tracy McGrady, what did they do? After going 21-61 and 61 in the 2004, the 2004 season, one of my worst all-time teams, one of my teams that are, I, I have that as the second worst team in Magic history, 21-61 and 61, even with McGrady. The Magic still were in this kind of win-now mode. They, they'd been in this mode for so long, just, we got Grant Hill, if he's ever healthy, we need to be ready to win. The Magic drafted Dwight Howard, who's a little bit more of a project that summer, But the trade they made involving Tracy McGrady suggested they were still trying to win basketball games. They traded for Steve Francis, Catino Mobley, and Kelvin Cato, and in fact went 36-46 and the following two seasons. That was a team that was not trying to rebuild from the ground up. That was a team that was trying to grow from the middle. They just did a very poor job of it. And of course, McGrady had his spat with John Weisbrod, and Weisbrod wanted to see Francis. I mean, he thought that Francis had the mentality that he was looking for, and he didn't. So when the Magic lost Dwight Howard, they were kind of pinned into a corner. If you remember how the Dwight Mayer played out, and I don't need to go beat by beat, but essentially, by the time the Magic decided to trade Dwight Howard finally, they didn't have many options. He'd already... Waived his early termination option, so now they had they lost that extra year that they thought they might get. And Howard had pretty much had his heart set on three, te- three or four teams. Most of those teams had already moved on. By the time the Magic traded Dwight Howard in August of 2010, or 20, uh, sorry, 2012, by the time the Magic traded Dwight Howard in August of 2012, August 10th, 2012, actually, the Brooklyn Nets had already signed Brooke Lopez to a four-year deal. So they were out because they couldn't trade Lopez anymore. And the Magic probably didn't really even want him. The Mavericks had moved on and were really out of the running anyway. And so it took a complicated four-team deal just to get Dwight Howard out of Orlando finally. And so the Magic at that point really had no choice but to start over. Completely from scratch. And they got some nice young players in Nikola Vucevic and Maurice Harkless and added some draft picks, but that was a deal to make the team bad. And in 2013, the Magic knew they were going to be bad. Getting a win in LA over Dwight Howard was icing on the cake. There were some nice moments, but that team was going to lose. And so you see how difficult it is to climb all the way back up to the top, especially when you don't have luck. Because the Magic have had a ton of lottery luck in their franchise history. When they were 20 and 60, 62, 
after the 1991 season. Or 1991 season, yeah. 1992 season, sorry. And they're 20-62 and 62 after the 1992 season. When their forward momentum had stopped, they won the lottery. They got Shaquille O'Neal. When the Magic won 20 games in 2013 and entered the NBA draft with the, with the best odds, they ended up second. When the Magic needed that push again after winning 23 games in 2014, the Magic lost the lottery again. They ended up fourth in a three-player draft. And that's been the story of the Magic's rebuild. This current rebuild, say what you want about Rob Hennigan, and, and, and certainly there were parts of his process that did not pan out. The coach didn't pan out. Jacques Vaughn was a poor coach. Probably was not completely ready for that job, but you, ne- you never know that. He came highly recommended. He brought in bad veterans. He did not bring in the right veterans or manage the cap properly. And when the lottery path failed, when the when the path to to getting that star player that they coveted so much through the lottery failed, he did not adjust the plan. To me, that's where that rebuild failed. Was staying too rigid to the plan and, and obviously not getting these, these secondary pieces in place. When you look at who the Magic drafted, Victor Oladipo is what he is, and I think the Magic would take Victor Oladipo second in that draft with the information they had over again. Aaron Gordon, we're still learning who he is as a player, and we're still learning what he can do, and it's certainly prove it time for Aaron Gordon. But he, when you look at who else was available, he wasn't a bad pick either. Hazonia has been a has been a has been a bust for sure. And so there's definitely a miss there in a dra- and in a place that you probably couldn't afford to miss because of how much you were relying on that pick. But the thing you learn here is rebuilding is not easy. That being bad for consecutive years and having that be the plan is not a straight path. And that ultimately, when you look at all the worst teams in Magic history, they had a lot of luck to get back up. The 2003 team, the the or 2004 team, the 21 and 61 2004 team with Tracy McGrady, worst record in the league, got the number one pick, drafted Dwight Howard. They were in the finals five, uh, five years later. You could never have imagined that after watching that team. The 1992 team, 20 wins. They're in the finals three years later because of the number one pick. Because of two number one picks. Luck does play a role here. And in this current Magic rebuild, there hasn't been any luck. And that's been the that's been part of its downfall. Is is the Magic have not been able to, to make their own luck or to change the plan when it's called for. We don't know where Jeff Waltman's going to take this team, and I'll talk a little bit more about the 2017 team and its place in franchise history tomorrow. We don't know where the future's going to go. But ultimately, it's going to take some luck. Whether it's the right player falling to you and taking that chance, 
or the right trade coming across your desk and taking that chance. Finding the young player like a Tracy McGrady who is just waiting for that opportunity and giving it to him and him flourishing and then finding the right pieces, the right coach, the right secondary player, the right bench player, the right free agent. So much goes into building a championship team. It is not so easy. To me, that's the biggest lesson the Magic have learned in this rebuild the last five years. Because as a franchise, as an organization, things have been easy for them. Very easy for them. Whenever they needed the top overall pick, not only did they get the top overall pick, they got a potential Hall of Famer. Shaq is a Hall of Famer. Dwight Howard probably will be a Hall of Famer. If Penny didn't get hurt, he would be a Hall of Famer. And honestly, if we're going to take it this far, Chris Webber should be a Hall of Famer. Even when they were rebuilding and they didn't need the draft, they had smart planning to to make free agency happen. And honestly, who knows? Going 41-41 and that year might have netted them Tracy McGrady and Grant Hill. And Tracy McGrady's a Hall of Famer. And Grant Hill, again, if he didn't get injured, he would be a Hall of Famer too. The stars have always aligned for the Magic, and the last five years they haven't. And whether it's Rob Hennigan or something else, they haven't figured out quite how to make it all work. There is a current in all of this. There's a championship or bust crowd out there, and it's certainly a, a, a defensible position. But it might just be time, in some respects, for the Magic to just say, we're going to get a star, we're going to make the playoffs. We may not win a championship with this group, but we need to win. That, I think, is a defensible position for the Magic right now. I understand. I, I, I don't think I would do that with the group that they have right now and the players they have right now and the star and the quote-unquote stars that are out there. But... I think it's a defensible position. The lesson of these bottom five teams is luck matters in the NBA and rebuilding is very, very, very hard. We'll continue our look at Magic History and the and the and and ranking the teams in Magic History on Locked On Magic as well as Orlando Magic Daily tomorrow. Be sure to check out OrlandoMagicDaily.com for our complete list—not our complete list, but the bottom five teams uh, in our ranking of the of the top teams in Orlando Magic History. We're going twenty-eight through one uh, of these teams, so be sure to check that out up on OrlandoMagicDaily.com. And thanks to the Orlando Magic Daily staff that are that participated in this project. It's always fun to talk a little magic history. If you have any magic history questions, be sure to send them my way. You can t- you can uh, tweet at me at omagicdaily as well as at lockedonmagic. You can also follow me on Twitter at philiprr underscore omd. Um, I'll probably do a Facebook Live on Friday. I don't, I don't know. I don't know if we're still doing that on the Locked On Podcast Network. But in any case, be sure to check out the Locked On Podcast Network too. You can like them on Facebook at facebook.com slash lockedonpods. And of course, you can subscribe to your favorite podcast on iTunes or Audio Boom. Just put in Locked On, your favorite team, whether it's the Magic, whether it's another NBA team, or whether it's an NFL team. There are Locked On NFL podcasts too. The NFL preseason has started. I watched the Jaguars a little bit 
uh, over the weekend. They look like they're better than maybe we think, but also it was the first preseason game, so who the, who the heck knows? Uh, of course, for the latest on the Orlando Magic, be sure to check out orlandomagicdaily.com, and you can, of course, follow the podcast on Twitter at LockedOnMagic, as well as like us on Facebook at LockedOnMagic. We'll post some of the companion articles to some of the things we discussed here on the podcast up there as well. That's going to do it for me today. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode. For Orlando Magic Daily and Locked On Magic, this has been Philip Rossman-Reich. I will see you all again tomorrow on another episode of Locked On Magic. You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando Magic podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details.